Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40. If you're searching for inspiring and easy to apply Enneagram and human design content, then you've come to the right place. We're your hosts, Dominique and Carrie, two friends and coaches who are passionate about sharing our knowledge and insights on these two powerful self-awareness systems to help you step outside the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're so grateful to have you here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everyone. We are so excited today because it has been a minute since we have had a guest on our podcast. Today, Dominique and I are happy to welcome Natalia Hernandez to the podcast. She is a certified Enneagram coach who specializes in relationship coaching. Hello, Natalia. Hi, Carrie and Dominique. Thank you guys for having me on. We are super excited. Natalia and I know each other through our Enneagram certification program. We both got certified through Enneagram University and we were in the same group coaching practicum together. And I remember during that time, Natalia, that whenever we had our group coaching, Natalia, for background information, is a type seven and I am a type one, which we share a growth and stress path. And whenever Natalia would talk about something, she always talked with such confidence and she just knew what was right for her. And I was always like, everything Natalia says is the opposite for me. (laughs) It was so funny because I just wanted like a piece of her energy, a piece of her confidence, because I felt like you were the most confident person in our practicum. Really? Yes. Wow. I loved your energy in that practicum. I was trying to feed off you. But to start, Natalia, I was really interested to hear about your own professional journey, maybe like what you started out in, what you studied, and how you got to be in the place you are doing couples Enneagram coaching. First of all, thank you for that introduction. And that confidence isn't so much like an inner confidence that a type eight has. It's more, I am just so willing to do anything until something works because I'm positive about it. (laughs) I've got that positive attitude of like, doesn't matter if I get told no, I'm going to try something different tomorrow because that's just how it is. So anyways, I started off as a paralegal for many, many, many years. I'm a Florida registered paralegal. And then I moved to California for acting for like four and a half years. So then I moved back to Miami because that's a hard, hard life. And it is very limiting in a lot of things. And as a seven, I do not enjoy that. So I came back home, continued my professional career as a paralegal and really loved it. I love writing motions for attorneys and responding to lawsuits and something nerdy about it. I just really love the research that I get to do when it comes to that. So I really love that. But then I ended up transitioning over because a friend of mine had mentioned if I was an Enneagram 7. And then I asked, what is an Enneagram 7? And she's like, oh my God, go run and, and find out what your Enneagram type is. And so I did, and I was an Enneagram 7. And that flipped over an entire side of me that I had not been aware of. And it broke open in the best way, but all of my insecurities and it just really like jabbed at my heart there that that could not be ignored. And so then I dove further into that and fell in love with Enneagram and slowly started making changes for myself. And then I found Christy, 
head of the Enneagram University and started following her and decided to become a coach selfishly for myself. And then as I got into that, I fell in love with it even more and then decided to help couples in their relationships or individuals. But that really stemmed from me changing my own marriage and my relationship and understanding my past and where it's led me to where I was. And so then I just decided to become a certified Enneagram coach. And so then here we are today. That is a beautiful story because I think you put it perfectly. If you connect with the Enneagram, what it can do for you, Mm -hmm. the self-insight, the self-awareness and the new path it can put you on is undeniable in my opinion as well. Yeah, I really love it when I hear stories of people finding these different tools and systems that are just that aha for them or that permission slip almost to find comfort in being who you are or to just better understand who you are and work on the things that maybe just aren't serving you any longer. And that's what I've always loved about the Enneagram when you and I have talked about it, Carrie. And then that's also what I love so much about human design is that it's just getting to know yourself better and then getting to know what it is to be a human being and human behavior and conditioning and how every single one of us are impacted by that. So that's really cool to hear your story, Natalia. And I'm also born and raised in South Florida, fellow Florida girl here. But now she lives in Maine. Now I live in Maine. Quite a difference. (laughs) Yep, a little bit. I love it though. The four seasons, I love it. Natalia, I'm super interested to hear a little bit if you want to specify a little more about how the Enneagram framework plays into your couples coaching. Like, would you say you're a couples coach first who uses the Enneagram or you're an Enneagram coach first who likes to work with couples? Mm, Mm -hmm. That's a good question. So I kind of feel like it's both, but I'll give you more definitive answers. So the reason why I love working with couples is because I see so much, at least the ones that I attract, right, that I work with, so much of myself in them, especially in the beginning, because the the one thing that changed the most in my life is my relationships. Like Dominic, you had mentioned people find the tool and they find their sort of like aha moment. That's what it's been for me in relationships. So I love couples because I see so much of like my past mistakes and the things I wasn't willing to talk about or be open with, the hard conversations you need to have. And then also just the basic understanding of who your partner is and who you are, and then what that means, what the dynamic is as a couple. And so, yeah, I love working with couples, but really through the lens of the Enneagram, because before the Enneagram, it's like, at least it was for me, we could be arguing back and forth, but if you don't understand why that person is saying what they're saying or reacting in that way, like if someone is in the withdrawn stance, for instance, and they walk out of the room or they shut down emotionally and you can't get through to them, you might just make up a story in your head as I did often. Oh, they don't care about what I have to say. They're so rude. They think they're better than me in this instance or whatever the situation might be. And that's not true at all. They're just in the withdrawn stance. They can't emotionally process all of that information at the time. So without the Enneagram, you don't know that about your partner and it makes communication much harder. So I guess to answer your question, it's like both. I love people as a whole. So I love couples 
But really what makes it all work, at least in my coaching practice, is the Enneagram. And personally, you and your partner, your husband, have very different Enneagram types. You do share a growth and stress path, right? Because your husband's a type five, I believe. Yeah. So I go to him in health. And he goes to you in stress. Yeah. It works. Um, That is awesome. So I talked a little bit about our connection and our group coaching experience together. And I just wanted to say a little bit more on that, that more specifically about my arrow and Natalia's arrow. When I talk about us having a common connection, type ones, which is what I am, go to seven in health. So whenever I would see Natalia being this confident, positive person, that is what my type and me are striving for. And it's really outside of my comfort zone. But for Natalia, Natalia's type, type seven, goes to type one in stress. So type sevens who tend to be very positive and go with the flow can become a lot more critical if they're feeling stressed out. They can become more perfectionistic. And so I love being around the energy of sevens. But for me, it can be intimidating because I'm like, this is what I'm striving for. And sometimes it can feel really difficult and challenging to get there. And it's fascinating because for a seven, with all our energy, right, and that you mentioned, we move to five and health. So that is a grounding, that is calmness, that is that high fluttery, erratic, high vibe energy that I call it, that gets really ironed out where I'm just cool, calm, collected in my thinking and the way I communicate in life in general. And it makes sense thinking about your stress path that you still have that fluttery high vibe energy, but it turns into that like one rigidity and black and whiteness and it just goes to this more negative place. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. So Dominique took a look at Natalia's human design chart because we love talking about the Enneagram layered with the human design on our podcast. And Dominique, I'm super interested to hear a little bit more about Natalia's human design. Yeah, so I'm super excited about this, Natalia. And I'm just going to keep it super, super basic because I feel like if people just have a better understanding of their specific energy type, which is just your aura, how you interact with the world, And along with that strategy, which is how you make decisions and your authority, which is that inner compass, those key areas, you're golden if you can really hone in on those. And so Natalia, you're what's known as a generator in traditional human design and in quantum human design, which is what I'm certified in, they're known as the alchemist. 37% of the population are generators, and you're one of the builders and doers of the world. So my mentor likes to give this analogy of if you look at life as a show and you're putting on show, the generators are the stage crew. They're the lighting. They're the ones that are building the set. They're the ones that are building everything to create this show. And so you have this energy about you that is fully harnessed when you respond to the world. So what that would look like is learning to not work from your mind, but from your body. And you're pretty much waiting for a sign to come into your environment to take action on what it is that you're desiring. So Maybe it's, I'm feeling really burnt out. I want to take a trip. And instead of hopping on the computer, buying some plane tickets and going, which 
may not be the best way of doing because you're using energy that isn't fully lit up because of that lack of response. Whereas if you go to the doctor and doctor's like, hey, you're burnt out. You need to take a vacation. You're like, yeah, I've really been feeling that. And then you come home, you have conversation with someone. You know what? You should really take a vacation. Yeah, that's that external sign where you then get your energy going to then make the right action, take the right steps. And that right there, waiting to respond is the strategy for generators. You're not meant to initiate. You're not meant to go out there and get it, which is what the world tells so many of us. Actually, pretty much every single energy type is meant to wait to a certain extent. And that's so you're not allowing your mind to take over. You're allowing your body to feel what is right for you. And on top of that strategy of waiting to respond, you are also a sacral authority, which means when something is right for you, you are going to feel lit up. Like you are going to get this deep sense of satisfaction when something is right for you. And that's your inner compass to tell you, hey, that response that came through your outer reality is right. Let's now take action. So oftentimes we're meant to say, yes, yes, I like this or no, no, I don't think that would be great. Whereas with sacral authority, it's like this, uh-huh. It's a nonverbal language within your body where you just get this mm-hmm or uh-uh about something. But of course, with how we're raised to be proper, polite, or whatever it might be, a lot of the times we're told not to just be like, uh-huh, or uh-uh, about responding to questions. And so that's something that you could maybe notice if you're excited by something. Do you get this like nonverbal sense in your body that's like, mm-hmm, I like that. Yeah, that feels great. That feels good. That is your inner compass, that sacral authority. So you can look at also as like your intuition. So you have your generator energy. You're here to build, to work, to be lit up by your work. And it doesn't have to be your job. That's one thing that sometimes we get confused. It doesn't have to be your job, but it has to be something within your life that gives you a sense of purpose. Maybe that's a hobby. Maybe that's volunteering. Maybe that's something totally outside of your J-O-B. And it's just your, your job that allows you to do the thing that lights you up. So it's just crucial, though, for generators to get the energy to be masterful and to create the life that they're desiring to feel lit up. And that's going to be happening through waiting for a sign in your external environment, responding to it if it's a uh-huh or if it feels good within your gut, your sacral. And then that's when, again, you get the energy to take appropriate action. And it's in alignment with the energy that you are and the energy that you're looking to create. Because like attracts like, we're all energy. And so you, you need to have that connection which is through that waiting to respond and always going with what lights you up. So much of this aligns so much with your Enneagram type as well. So I was going to say the one thing that I find it for me challenging is the part that I am an aggressive type. So like the waiting to respond part uh -huh. for me is like, 
What? That's all generators. And you're a head type. Mm -hmm. You're a head type. And so it's like getting into your body to make a decision is probably super challenging. That's the number one challenge for all generators is patience to wait. But here's the thing. For example, Carrie and I being projectors, we can wait for a really long time because we need to be recognized by the other and invited in. So a lot of what we are here to do comes through others recognizing it. Whereas for you, it's your external environment and the signs that are popping up. You have more choice out there in a way. And it's just a matter of following what lights you up. So because you have a little bit more choice, there's more coming to you. So you actually will Mm. not have to wait long, but we're not okay with waiting a lot of the times. It's always that initiating energy. This is where people get tripped up and hung up a lot, or they find themselves doing something that really isn't bringing them the joy that they thought it would initially, because it's about, again, allowing yourself to get into your body and not go with your mind. And to get into your body, that requires a little bit of waiting and patience. So I have something to add to this that really makes a lot of sense what you're saying right now, because as a generator, I'm supposed to wait for responses from my outside world, Mm -hmm. right? And being a seven, that is challenging because I want things to happen by yesterday. So when I'm creating content, let's say for Instagram or Facebook, right, about my coaching, and I'm coming up with all these different topics on relationships and things like that, because I have so many things I want to say at one time, it's hard for me to narrow down what exactly it is that I want to say. And that could be a challenge in and of itself for really any business owner. But what I noticed was that when I was on a coaching call with a client a couple of weeks ago, the relationship turned into, as opposed to trying to fix it and save it, it organically became, are we even compatible with each other at this point? And that led me to then create a a post on, if you don't know whether you want to stay or leave, but if these are your types, this is what you should focus on. I created that as I do almost every single day. This one post on an Enneagram Facebook group went bananas. Mm -hmm. And I have an entire list of paper with people asking me to do their type pairings. So if I'm thinking of leaving, but I don't know if I should stay or go, these are my two types, what should I focus on? I have done maybe 10, 12 pairings by now, and I still have an entire list to go through. And every time I post one of these, someone else will respond, can you do this other type pairing? And I did not understand how that took off when everything else that I considered to be so good and informative and value filled was the thing that took off. Mm -hmm. And I never clued it in until you just said what you said about (laughs) waiting to (laughs) respond, as opposed to like me sitting down to force something that I should share. It became just now like, oh, what happened in our coaching session inspired me to create this kind of topic and that took off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you can probably go back like even weeks or months where you can ask yourself, when did I respond to something that really just felt like it needed to be shared? If it's through posting or just what lit you up and you may possibly see patterns of where something really great came from that. And so that's something where even for myself, I keep track of when I feel recognized and invited 
as my projector energy, just so I can see patterns with it. I have a lot of pattern in my chart though. Like I'm always looking for some sort of pattern for you to tap into that sacral response a little bit better. Something that could be really helpful is going with yes or no questions. So a lot of the times we say open-ended questions are best, but because you might have the tendency to go into your mind versus allowing your body to feel into it, open-ended questions can cause you to go right up into your mind and stay there. So if you were to have someone ask you some yes, no questions and go with what your gut is telling you in the moment, no taking time to think about it right away, uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh. And responding Mm. with, uh uh-huh, uh-uh, because it is that nonverbal communication for your sacral. So that could be something helpful to try too when you're trying to figure out or decide on something. I like that. Mm -hmm. That's just, it's very, like you said, instinctual. I kind of feel like that that's really helpful (laughs) for someone like me or those people that recognize themselves as head types, because I don't have to think. I can just what does intuitively <laughs> yeah and that uh-huh uh-huh that sacral questioning that gets you straight into your body like there's no veering off into the mind as long as you are responding instinctually right in the moment with that uh-huh uh-huh it is coming from your sacral center from your body mm, i love that I, we haven't had the opportunity to dive into a lot of peoples other than our own Enneagram and human design types. And we've always seen all these cool connections between them. And now having a new person to talk about this with, it's true again for you, Natalia, that these two systems layered upon each other are so fascinating because so much of it connects and makes so much sense that your head type being a type seven makes so much sense that you need to get more into your body for making decisions, which is what generators Mm -hmm. need to do. And it's just never ceases to fascinate me. Absolutely. And I've always been jealous of sacral authority because it is like, that's your truth right there. The uh uh-huh or uh uh-uh. It is your truth. Point done. Whereas for Carrie, she has the emotional authority So she has to wait, ride her emotional wave, make sure it stays consistent throughout her wave. That yes needs to stay consistent. And for me, being a mental projector with mental authority, that's a very small percentage of the population. And I have all of my centers within my mind, nothing in my body. So I have to soundboard with people in order to hear my truth as I'm speaking. And that can take time as well. Whereas that sacral authority, it's like, boom, right there. (laughs) You can gain so much clarity. Dominique is a type nine. So she's like a body type, but an anchor type. So she's disconnected from her body. And then she's a mental authority. It's so fascinating. Wow. Yes. Yes. And what I love too, is that it's a matter of just like, well, at least for me specifically, slowing down. That's kind of what I get overall. Slow down because sounds move so fast anyways, and we're future focused. So that aggressive nature, that future focus is like, go, 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 go. But when you look at it this way, it's like, wait, yeah. you're not even supposed to be acting like that. It's, it's, just it's it trusting in the process, trusting that you're not going to miss it. And what you need to respond to is going to be there. And what you need to respond to that is best for you will come when it's meant to come. So it's 
trusting in the timing, which again, is not easy for most of us to do. In general, especially yeah. the wholesale culture. It's like, yes. And if you're a business owner, forget it. Exactly. <laughs> Natalia, something that we end up talking about in almost every episode of our podcasts are core values because the topics we end up talking about end up always somehow relating back to this. So I'm interested to know if you have thought about your own core values or if you use core values in your work or if it's something you've never given two thoughts to. Yeah. So I haven't specifically given thoughts of it as terms of like me writing it down. But when I thought about it, it's been the same three pretty constant in my life. The number one, which should be no surprise, is to have fun is like joy, more like joy and fun. Life is heavy and things happen all the time. And I don't think people have enough fun. And I know for a seven, it's very easy to say, right? Very stereotypical seven, but just like the joy of things, of just hugging your dog and just these very small things is what I find the best part of living. So fun and joy simultaneously for me, that would be one. Another one is appreciation and appreciation for obviously just life in general, but the things that mattered most to you. So to take time to really appreciate family, your parents who will not be here forever. I know that's kind of doomsday, but I see life as short, if that makes sense. As someone, I guess, who's future focused, I see things very short and, and so for me, it's appreciating the time that I do get to spend with my family, the appreciation for watching my son grow. He's four and a half now. And so every time he lets me hug him as tight as I can, appreciating those moments, again, that sort of fuels the joy that I have. But I think appreciation for going outside and nature and just those things. And then the last thing is an inner drive. So I value that a lot because and it's, it doesn't have to be in career, but anything that sparks interest in you to go after that, to have the drive, to pursue the things you want to do for yourself, for life, because we do have this just one life, at least on earth, right? So that inner drive mm -hmm. to go and get what you want to get. I understand also that is the aggressive part of me, but it's what always fueled me. Anything I've ever wanted I've had that inner drive to go and get it and not motivation because motivation fades. It's an inner drive that only you know something you really want and to do whatever it's going to take to make it a reality for yourself. So those are sort of the three that I've always lived with and are pretty true to me. I love that. Yeah. I love your first one because we talk a lot on our podcast about the importance of play and joy mm -hmm. and doing things just for the fun of it, not to be productive, not to accomplish anything. Because as adults, we lose that in our society and yeah. we are taught that that's a waste of time. So I think just having that reminder, which we try to drop in to a lot of our episodes, is so important for all of us to remember because it's so easy to forget. And that's another beautiful thing type sevens bring to this world because all the type sevens I know have fun in their life. They prioritize it. They prioritize that joy. And I think so many of us don't do that. And it's creating problems or increased anxiety or increased unhappiness in our society. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it gets to the point where everything gets more sticky in life, harder when we don't 
incorporate more of that play, that fun, the feminine energy where there's no agenda. One of my core values is fun as well. And that's just because most of my life I have taken things so seriously because I was in constant survival mode and I didn't allow myself to really have that much fun. And so now that is of great importance besides freedom, freedom more so like freedom to create my own schedule, freedom to have slower days if I want to just have flexibility within my life, my personal life, my work life. And love is something that Carrie and I talk a lot about as well. Love for humanity, love for myself, and really trying to anchor into coming more from a place of love when I am dealing with others and trying to be of service to others. Probably growth as well is one of my other core values because I am just working so hard on becoming the best person that I possibly can. I have the one three profile in human design and we're insatiably curious and always wanting to learn and then experiment with what we're learning. So growth is just naturally one of those things that I gravitate to as well. What about you, Carrie? What do you have going on for your core values? Well, hearing Natalia talk, I was thinking over my core values and I was thinking as a type one, I think I might want to revamp them because I should add some sevenness into my core values as a way, like add that joy piece, mm. because that's such an important piece for type ones to get out of that serious perfectionistic mindset and just have some joy, which I don't really have a core value that aligns with that. So it's making me rethink. But interestingly, before I even knew my Enneagram type, a group of my friends did this core values exercise where we had this list and we had to whittle it down to our top two core values. And mine ended up being independence and simplicity, which now knowing my Enneagram type as a body type, independence and autonomy is mm. super important to body types. And simplicity, I think, aligns with the type one being in the frustration triad that we just want our environments and our worlds to be as orderly. And for me, that meant simple as possible. So it's interesting how this core values exercise for me aligned so seamlessly with my Enneagram type once I knew that. And those two core values are still two of my biggest ones. Independence and simplicity are things that I work toward every day in my life. So those are two of my major ones. But joy might have to be added to that list. Love that. The fun thing is, though, is I truly believe that our core values are constantly changing. And so I'll check in every six months to see where I'm at. And sometimes they've shifted, sometimes they haven't. So it's something where I'll really just sit with my coaching clients and of course gain some clarity on where they're at right now, but encourage them to look at their core values like every six months, at least every right. year. I mean, with the season of yeah. life, obviously things life happens. should be fluid and changeable. I think as a type one, I get really rigid and stuck and like, these are my core values for life. So it's good to have that flexibility, which is not always my strength. I kind of feel like fun will always be mine, but you know, there's plenty of others <laughs> that I could choose. So Natalia, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you one last thing. If you had one piece of advice or tip for anyone listening about relationships or partnerships and their Enneagram type, 
if you just wanted to give one foundational idea that you believe in as a relationship coach? Oh, that's a good question. I think it would be to ask, meaning don't assume you know what they are thinking. Don't do it because it happens so naturally. We make up these stories in our mind. And especially the longer you know someone, the more you're entitled to have that belief of why I just know what they're thinking or I just know what they're going to say. And it trips people up every time. So the one piece of advice I would give, no matter your type, is don't assume you know what they're thinking, what they're going to say, and what they're going to do. Have a conversation. And then I always say, ask. So you have a conversation with them. They say X, Y, and Z. Ask them why. Ask them to clarify what they mean. Ask them to give you an example. As long as you can fully understand their perspective and where they're coming from, then you're golden. But if not, you're going to get tripped up by assuming you know what your partner's thinking and what they're going to say. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Allow some grace there. And just don't assume. Ask. Keep asking follow-up questions. I love, oh I my love gosh. that. That yeah. is really yep. good advice, actually, yep. that a lot of us forget. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And communication has been one of those challenges for me growing up. And that is something that over the years I have learned. I can't assume what somebody is thinking and feeling. And that's just me projecting upon them, which isn't fair. So I think that is such a powerful tool for everyone. That's awesome. I do have to say, I feel like this is a little bit of like a serendipitous moment because the majority of the clients I've worked with have been ones and nines. Oh boy. (laughs) (gasps) That is so cool. Natalia, do you have any offerings or what's going on for you right now in your business that you would like to tell our listeners about? Yeah. So I work with couples for four months It's a program called Live Better Together. It's helping you heal, mend, or end your relationship, all done through the lens of the Enneagram. And then I also work with just individuals who are unsure, want more clarity in their relationship, don't really know what to do, where they're at with that. And then I work with them for eight weeks in a deep dive Enneagram coaching program. And we are going to put all of Natalia's contact info in the show notes, but would you like to verbally just tell everyone where they can reach you? Yeah, so I hang up most in Instagram. My handle is at Natalia Hernandez Coaching. And then I also, if they want to get really specific and learn more about the Enneagram, I have a podcast called Enneagram in Love. It is specifically related to relationships through the Enneagram. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Natalia. I have loved every minute of this conversation and I hope our listeners have learned a little bit more about coaching, relationships, the Enneagram, and we thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Natalia. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your support is so appreciated. If you'd like to have a question answered about your human design or Enneagram type in a future episode, you can submit it through the link in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you.